Well, hello, everyone. This is D. Today's episode was originally recorded on April 21st of 2022, but will not be released until June 1st. There have been a couple corrections or changes to the information in today's podcast, and I wanted to let you know about those briefly. Number one, the Lunch and Learn session that is mentioned within this podcast from the Benzodiazepine Action Workgroup, the CME Training Courses, actually took place in May of this year. So by the time this is released, those will have already taken place. There are videos available online, and I'll try to put a link for that in our show notes. The bind definition is still pretty accurate, but there's been a few minor updates since then, but for the most part, very little has changed. And finally, some of the content of today's episode can be a little strong for those who are easily triggered by difficult conversations related with benzodiazepine withdrawal and or bind. I just wanted to give you all a cautionary notice up front to let you know if this is a problem for you, you might want to either skip this episode or skip parts of it. And that's about it. So let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Benzofree Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z-drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzofree, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Well, hello there. This is D, and welcome to episode 101 of the Benzo Free Podcast. How are you doing out there? I hope everybody's hanging in there and doing okay. Um, I always like to check in with you at the beginning of each podcast and see how you're feeling, um, see how your day's going, and seeing if you're you're finding some good tools and some good techniques to help you through the difficulties of bind, which we now call this thing, but some of you know it as benzo withdrawal. Welcome to the first Benzo episode of the next 100. This is 101, so we're starting our next 100 episodes of the Benzo Free Podcast. Before I get too much further, I want to introduce you to somebody. I am here with my co-host. I am here with Dr. Jennifer Lee. Hello, Jen. Hey, how are you? I am good. Uh, She's going to join us today for the entire episode and be my co-host. So, Um, If she speaks up, great. If she doesn't, I will bug her to speak up so she can be part of things. And then when we get to the feature, it'll be mostly a conversation between the two of us about benzos. So, Jen, really glad to have you here. Thank you, Dee. I really appreciate the invitation, and I'm real excited to, uh, you know, to help all your listeners and just be a part of your wonderful show here. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And just so you, for those who don't know, you can learn more about Jen on her website at benzowithdrawalhealth.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, go check her out. Please do. She's got a great new um, site for discussion group and membership group out there that's really exciting. I was on it a little bit ago and might be on it again here in a little while. So um, had a ball on um, talking with some of the people there and we talked about a lot of different things and I can't wait to do it again. And of course, I really wanted to get Jen back in our studio to talk with you on the podcast. Um, So just, you know, this is going to be a slightly change in format because I do, this is the very first co-host I've ever had on this show. And I'm really excited that um, Jen was willing to do it. I actually asked her about two minutes ago. So, I mean, (laughs) we, we scheduled, Jen and I scheduled to do this for about a month or two. But I didn't tell her that I wanted her to be co-host in this kind of format until about two minutes ago. And she's she's so cool. She was game for it. She said, yeah, whatever. So thanks, Jen. You're so welcome. Um, I do want to mention a couple things on our introduction here and have also get Jen's take on them as we do. Um, for those who listened to our last episode, it was on the definition of bind, which is benzodiazepine in it. See, that's my flub. I'm going to back up again. (laughs) Benzodiazepine-induced neurological dysfunction. It's a new term that we're proposing to describe the um, neuroadaptation of um, two benzodiazepines over time. It's 
basically the protracted and also some of the early on symptoms that ca that causes. So what we used to call, you know, protracted withdrawal, we used to call benzo withdrawal. We're now trying to call bind. Um, so if you haven't checked that episode out, please do so. And but anyway, so that was a little bit more about what we talked about. And I don't know anything else going on. What's going on with you, Jen, right now? This is the introduction. And I usually talk a little more personally here to people about, you know, what's going on in my life. Um, I know you've been really busy with all the things that have been going on. Why don't you just briefly kind of maybe say what's going on in your life right now, both with your site and other things that are happening? Well, sure. Thanks. Um, it's like this big momentum started happening when I moved my support group from Facebook over to Discord. Right. Um, magic just started happening. And so now not only do we have amazing new resources for people that are actually experiencing benzo withdrawal bind. Mm -hmm. But now we also have membership for caregivers. So your loved ones that are trying to help you through this, they can come and get education on best practices, but also learn how to take care of themselves. So now not only do we have really interesting support, we're very different than the, you know, the typical Facebook groups or benzo buddies. Right. Um, just by all the content that we have and the safety features and whatnot, and it's group coaching three days a week. So I'm excited that we can also now involve the caregivers. But what also is exciting is uh, some people in the medical community have been reaching out to me and wanting more information. So now I am, and I've always been wanting to do this, but I am putting together some courses because I also have a platform on Kajabi, putting together courses so that therapists can come and actually get certified in BIND so that they, they can actually say to their clients, I've, I've educated, I know the do's and don'ts, I know what, you know, I know how to best help you because so many therapists are clueless about this and they're actually damaging people. I would really love D to be able to have, you know, really robust courses for the for the medical profession themselves, for the doctors and psychiatrists. Right. But I think to really get them involved, I'm going to have to be able to give out continuing education units. And it takes 12 to 18 months to get, a, you know, the stamp of approval for that. So right now I've got a lot of content that I'm developing on the back end for the Benzo community, mm -hmm. as well as growing the group. I still do my coaching three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but there's a lot, there's just seems to be like this groundswell happening with what you're doing too, you know, behind the scenes. So a lot of good things are going on for this community. And so, you know, that's, that's my main thing that I do with 90% of my time. But the other about my own personal life is, you know, I've moved into an apartment. I can, I don't have the, the, you know, the, the ability to garden and every, if you know, my story, oh, yeah. you know, that, that was such, that was such a big part of your early work. Yeah, it was. And yesterday I was, the universe just aligned how I got it. I'm still trying to figure out, but I'm so grateful in a beautiful community garden here in my city, there's 50 plots. I have a 15 by 25 foot enclosed garden plot. And I'm already videoing and we have a little gardening channel on my discord on Heal with Dr. Jen on my group. So now I can still help people do their gardening to help them heal, but it'll, you know, that's what helps me stay sane. So thank you powers that be that I, <laughs> that I have a gardening plot now. I'm so happy. That is great. I, you know, I want to back up to two things you mentioned. Um, one, you talked about CME, uh, the Continuing Medical Education, because, you know, we're working on that at the Benzo Action Workgroup. In fact, next month, we are starting a four-part Lunch and Learn series, which is being provided online. Um, and it is CMA, um, CME, so it's certified. Um, and Christy Huff, I don't know if you know mm -hmm. Christy Huff. I do. Christy Huff and I are teaching one of the modules. Um, Dr. Alexis Ritfo was teaching the other three. Um, and so there'll be four modules all on benzodiazepine, um, on bind. Our episode is going to be bind the patient experience that Christy and I, mm -hmm. um, since mm -hmm. we both have lived experience. And of course, for those of you who know Christy Huff, she's director of benzodiazepine information coalition and is a cardiologist. So we teamed up and we're writing that one. Now we'll be doing that the third episode and the first two will be Alexis and the fourth will be Alexis. It's so important. 
Oh, yeah. And one other thing, too, you mentioned on the therapist. I love, and just so for the, for those of you at home, um, I never said that before. Those of you at home, it's an old radio <laughs> term. I think I just pulled it up. <laughs> but for those of you at home, um, <laughs> Jen and I talked a while back um, on this peer support. And I've mentioned to you all before, we're creating a peer support um, coaching training program through the Benzodiazepine Action Workgroup here. And that's coming along great. And one of the things is Jen was actually going to be part of that, but she had so much on her plate, she couldn't continue to be. But I wanted to pull her in, especially with her um, with the psychology experience. But then she told me about the work she was doing with therapists. And I was thinking, this is amazing. We got CME stuff going on with the medical professionals. We got peer coach training course providing up, I mean, starting up. And we got Dr. Jen pulling in therapists and teaching counselors. I just think this these pieces are coming together, mm -hmm. Jen, and I think it's amazing Whatever we can do to help you with that therapy training that you're developing, please let us know. Thank you. I will definitely be asking. Um, yeah, and we'll just have to keep working with this synergy that we have. Yeah. My hope is that one day that I don't have a job anymore, that nobody is harmed I by agree. benzodiazepines. You know, I mean, it's, mm, yeah. <laughs> I know. What I you mean. would really yeah. like to stop the damage being done. So I'm, yeah, I would love to help you help the community. But I, I agree with what you said earlier too, when you said, it seems like a lot of things are happening. And I mean, I'm amazed every time I reach out to people like you or, or, you know, to BIC or to the Alliance or to someplace else, I'm amazed at what is going on that I have no clue. You know, just uh, there's so many groups working on so many different directions. You know, I'm I'm part of a couple of research papers um, over at the Alliance. And then Bernie tells me about, you know, five other they have five other ones they have going on that I didn't even know they were doing. And so there's so much research going on, so many different things happening. It's it's pretty amazing. So um, I, I did want to let you know that we did get a working definition for bind. And I wanted to pass that on to everybody here, if you don't mind me sharing this, Jen. Um, this one, um, Alexis, actually, Dr. Alexis Ripfro brought this to us. Um, for those who don't understand, I think I explained this before, nosology is, and I didn't know this before, <laughs> is the paper that a lot of times in research they put forward to present a term um, for a disease or for an illness. Anyway, this is the working definition we have going right now, and we're going to try to keep this going. It may change because as the nosology team is still working, we may change this over time, but Right now, this is how it stands. So for benzodiazepine-induced neurological dysfunction, which is BIND, the definition is BIND is a constellation of functionally limiting neurologic symptoms, both physical and psychological, that are the consequence of neuroadaptation to benzodiazepine exposure. These symptoms may begin while taking benzodiazepines and can persist for weeks, months, or even years after discontinuation. That's the definition we have. What do you think on that, Jen? Did that fit some of the boxes you were looking for? Well, considering that it brought tears to my eyes, yeah, I think that's a oh, winner. I think kidding. that's a winner. No, I mean, oh, that just good. sums it up, doesn't it? It's succinct. It it's succinct. It, it, it hit, I think it hit all the... I just, yeah, I think that is beautiful. Could you do it? Could you say it one more time? Yeah, I'll be happy to. Yeah, one more time. BIND is a constellation of functionally limiting neurologic symptoms, both physical and psychological, that are the consequence of neuroadaptation to benzodiazepine exposure. These symptoms may begin while taking benzodiazepines and can persist for weeks, months, or even years after discontinuation. Oh, it's beautiful. That's it. I, this came from... Those two doctors, actually, um, I got to give almost all their credit to Alexis Ritfo and Peter Martin, and of course, Bernie Silvernail, who is the sponsor from Alliance for that. Um, they're the ones that worked this up. Um, they sent it off to, Alexis sent it off down to Christy and myself. We tweaked it like a few words, mm -hmm. but that was, it was already pretty much all it was there. And we were going with that one. It still might change depending on mm -hmm. when the paper comes out, but I think, I think they're really close and I, I like what they have so far. So. Oh, I, yeah, it. It captures, it just encapsulates, I think, everything. Yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So we keep making progress. We're still moving forward. So it's kind of cool to see what's happening here. Uh, let me go ahead and um, talk about our format and admin, if it's okay with you, Jen. And then we'll jump into mailbag and I'll get your take on a couple questions from our listeners. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just so everybody knows, today, um, Dee here and our co-host, Jen, will have a full lineup. We're going to start with the introduction, which you just heard, dive into our mailbag for a couple of questions, follow up with an in-person Benzo story. Can you guess who that might be? Um, and then on to our feature, which is two friends just chatting about Benzos. It's a lot to cover, so let's get moving. But before we do, a few really quick admin things just to let you know. Don't forget, I would love to hear from you. Comment on our videos on YouTube, on our podcast posts, or via our feedback forum on our website at easinganxiety.com slash feedback. And while you're there, perhaps you might want to subscribe to our mailing list or even donate to support the work we do. Trust me, every little bit does help. And remember, the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. Let's jump into our mailbag. Are you ready for this, Jen? I am. All right. Our first question is from Jacob's Ladder on YouTube. And I'm just going to call Jacob's Ladder JL because honestly, I don't know whether male, female, they, I don't know what to call this person. So I'm going to call this person JL. I'm not sure. Um, so JL responded to our last episode on Bind. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, we talked about that. And here's what JL had to say. He said, thanks, D. We could also use the acronym, my, acronym MIND, M-I-N-D, for medication-induced neurological dysfunction, seeing that there are other classes of drugs that can cause similar damage. I might use that first before identifying the class of drug. Thanks, JL. I think that's a great question. Um, we do focus on benzos here on this podcast, and that's why we're seeking out the term BIND. And we do believe that some of the complications to benzodiazepines are specific to that class of drugs and also to Z drugs, which are also very familiar. But you bring up a really good point, and that is we don't want to neglect all the other medications. Um, SSRIs, SNRIs, other medications all have their own complications. Um, Jen, I was wondering if I could pull you in to see if you had some comments on this subject. Sure. Uh, I definitely see JL's point that you know other medications have the possibility and propensity to cause damage and many of us on taking a benzo uh either we were on a second or third or fourth medication but if we weren't by the time we went through withdrawal because because doctors are so misinformed that they will you know prescribe so many adjunct medications that you know then then we can become polydrug so i can see his point of view but i guess Having been in this community for 12 years, I feel fiercely protective of our experience, of, of what of the benzo experience per se. And so personally, I would like to keep it to bind so that the benzos don't get lost in the mix of every other drug that we have our own spotlight. We have our right. own, you know, our own cause, our own definition. And I think it's important to single that out. I think it's equally as important as JL, um, you know, mentions that I think those other drugs, you know, somebody in that those communities should be working very hard to push forward, um, you know, a, a definition, you know, into the medical community to make sense of what those things do. But that's just my take. And I'm curious, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like what you said. I, and I agree with what you said. Um, yeah, there, we're not going to be changing our term, of course, for BIND, just because it is a class-specific, um, all the documentation, the research that's been done, um, all that stuff has been on this specific class. In fact, Z-drugs, we try to bring in and talk about as much as we can, but most of the research has been done specifically on benzodiazepines. And we know we need some additional research on non-benzodiazepines or Z-drugs. Um, but I do... I very much value JL's um, approach and and um, comment because I agree there a lot of medications have a lot of lingering consequences and each one has their own and there are many people I, I'm sure Jen you've experienced this too that I've dealt with who are polydrugged and are dealing with you know so many cross um, drugs I don't even know which ones to taper off of first or which ones causing the symptoms and some drugs are taking to help with other drugs and. I think you understand that pretty well too and deal with people like that. And so I never want to exclude that, but we are specifically, you know, focused on benzodiazepines, hence the name of the podcast, the Benzo Free Podcast. So it is where our, our center is. Do you have anything else to add on that one, Jen? 
No, I think you summed it up okay. nicely. Thank you. Well, thank you. Let's jump over to our second one. And this one is kind of right into um, Jen's arena here. So I'm hoping she can get with some good answers on it. Uh, Chuck wrote this one via email. I'm not sure who is getting this email, but I am reaching out at about five months after leaving a very short taper. Life has been full of very odd circumstances since, and I find that I need support of a person who understands what I am experiencing. Podcasts and Facebook groups are just too isolated for me. If you could steer me in the direction of a person or group I can communicate with, my withdrawal may be e an easier road. Thank you. I did write back to Chuck, and I mentioned Jennifer to him. So I want to pass this off to her for a little bit to see if she kind of has a take on this and also maybe what you do to help out people with this kind of situation. Sure. Well, I can certainly understand Chuck's need and want for community. We don't heal in isolation. And even though we might visit a Facebook group or, you know, everybody it seems to know, you know, about Benzo Buddies, it's not the same as working one-on-one -on -one and hearing a voice and having somebody really listen and care about you as an individual. And that's why I still do my one-on-one -on -one coaching Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And so I still offer that, um, you know, for anyone who feels like they need to see me through Zoom or FaceTime or WhatsApp or, or just a phone call, you know, without the video, but I'm there to educate, hold their hand, and really help them find ways that they can navigate um, their recovery and, mm -hmm. um, you know, let them know all the do's and don'ts and the things that they can do to help turn down the volume of their suffering. And it's one of the reasons that I also created my support group, Heal with Dr. Jen. It used to be called Mornings with Jen, but now right, it's yeah. so much more than just three mornings a week of group coaching. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I mean, you know, we, Facebook kept glitching. And so with the live feed, so I had to do something. And so we moved to discord and it was a, it was challenging. I can't tell you, I mean, the hundreds of hours that I've put in on the back end and Jay, our, our, our T guy. Um, but it was, it was really worth all of that because we have this robust, safe, positive group and we're offering yeah. things that I don't think anybody else and the community is offering, you know, the type of support, even to the fact that if you're afraid that you might get triggered by benzo content, mm -hmm. you have the ability to turn off the the channels where all the symptom talk is. So you don't even it won't even show up on your menu. And then when you're ready, then you can turn it on. I mean, we've just we've built in safety, safety, safety into everything. And it is one of the most loving, compassionate groups. I'm just so impressed with everybody in it. And, and I know that there are some other coaches out there doing kind of the work that I do, but I'm not that familiar with them. So I can't really speak to that, but I do know, you know, if you really want help, you can do some searches and there, there is more help out there than just simply a Facebook group. Right. right. I totally agree. And that's, I think the there are two things here that the the group, the online group, I think is great. And and there's a lot of sites out there, which I went to, you know, the free ones, you can go to discussion groups and stuff. And those are, I think, great to start. But like you said, they also can be triggering. They can be difficult because you don't know who's on. Sometimes you're going to get trolls. Sometimes you're going to get some content that is hard for people to face. But also, it's not a tight knit community as with, you know, these membership sites, you kind of create that that community where people get to know each other and they corresponding with each other and they get used to each other. And it's like a support group in person, but it's the best we can do you know, right now is kind of have, is have it virtually. And it's great because now you can have that with people from all over the country and, and world if you need to. One of the things he mentioned when he wrote back to me, because I did suggest to Chuck um, about your group, he said, um, he said the cost is an issue sometimes. And I understand that, you know, with these other groups, most of those are free, but with your group and some other ones, there is a paid membership. What do you think are the benefits of having like a paid membership site? What, what, what are the advantages both to you and to, but also to the people who sign in? Right. Well, um, that's a great question. And, and for a long time, I got hate mail of people okay. saying you shouldn't, you know, you're preying on people suffering. You shouldn't be charging. But if I don't charge for my services, I can't help the Benzo community. Exactly. This is, exactly. this is my career. You don't, 
get angry at the person who cuts your hair, you know, for charging for cutting your hair. It's a service that that person survive, I mean, provides. So I am providing a service. And if I must say, if I can toot my own horn, I bring a hell of a lot to the party. I've got a doctor in psychology, uh, postdoc social neuroscience. I'm uh, certified in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University. I've studied trauma under Peter Levine and Dr. Peter Levine and Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And I have lived through my own withdrawal experience. And I have been in this community for 12 years. So one of the things, you know, about the unpaid support groups that we also have to keep in mind is you can get incorrect information. I've had people contact me and say, well, someone's, you know, I got this advice on this you know, Facebook group or wherever. Um, and it's just horribly incorrect. So, you know, the adage, you kind of get what you pay for, I think, you know, I think is, is true. And I certainly have tried to keep my costs affordable. You know, I also have to remember, I live in the San Francisco Bay area and I have to be here. This is where my family is. And Mm -hmm it is one of the most expensive places <laughs> yeah. to live and I still barely make it. Um, you know, so I've tried to keep my costs, you know, as manageable as possible. It's why I do offer the group. If you can't afford, you know, an hour with me for less than an hour, you can get nine hours of interacting right. with me and my support group. So, um, you know, we have to remember that people that are charging for their time to help the community, if they're like me, this is this is my career. This is my livelihood. I have no other source of income. This is my career. And, and how long have you been? How long have you been doing this, Jen? I started my website just as a blog, just to help me get through it. I think in two thousand and ten. Wow. Or eleven, um, two thousand and ten. I think I started tapering in two thousand uh, October two thousand and ten. So I've been a part of this community as a someone suffering. And then as somebody healing and, you know, trying to, to give advice to somebody definitely yeah. healed um, and, and now being, you know, this force in the community that I want to offer these courses and help the caregivers and, and, and educate the therapist, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so hard because I, I, I like everything you said. And that's what I've been thinking too, is um, through my podcast, I've been doing this one, the podcast since 2019. Um, so not nearly as long as you have. Um, the book came out in 2018, but I have yet to have more than a month or two where I haven't even haven't covered expenses yet. Um, so, and I get I do have a few people, especially one or two, who are amazing at donating, but it, it barely covers expenses. And the rest of it, I bring in zero income into my household right now, and I know that has to change. I knew that would have to change eventually, and now I'm at that point. So I'm also looking at you know group subscriptions, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking at it for a couple of years, but of course with the, the, um, the health and, and death of my parents last year, everything got pushed back a couple of years, but I was planning on launching um, an online group about two years ago. It just has, keeps getting pushed out, but we have to find a way where we can monetize what we do to some degree so we can keep doing it. Um, I think you and I have both experienced many people who have come and gone in the Benzo community because of burnout you know, either emotional burnout, but also financial, they had to go back to work and they haven't been able to stick around and support the community. And I think that's one of the things that you've been able to do. And that's what I love about you is you've, you've stuck it out for the duration. I'm hoping I'm able to do that too, because I think we're making a difference. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're still doing what you do. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to you the other day and you were like talking about, you we were changing things. I was, I was all suddenly scared, like, Oh no, no, no. You, you can't be leaving. Jen. You can't be leaving. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm, thank you for bringing up the emotional burnout. It's, yeah. I don't think people understand to listen to the suffering that someone like myself or you or, you know, any of the coaches uh, that we listen to on a day-to-day basis, it's hard. It's hard. It's just hard to, to be a witness, to bear witness to that much suffering. And it's not just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when I coach, I think what people don't understand is my phone. I only have one phone. I just have my cell phone and I don't have a business line. It's just that one number. My phone rings, pings with emails, messages, Facebook, WhatsApp, any way they can get to me. It's 24 hours 
a day and they're desperate oh, wow. and they want help right yeah. then. It doesn't matter if it's a Sunday. It doesn't matter if it's Easter. It doesn't matter if, you know, one of my children, even when my, I was at, in Hawaii with my, you know, my son getting married, they don't care. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's, they are so desperate for help. And I understand because I was that desperate too. So I think what people don't understand is somebody who's, who's offering a service the way I do. Yeah. It's my job is 24 hours a day and it is really easy to get, to get burnt out. I'm having to really walk my talk about those four cornerstones of well-being. you know, eat right, move enough, stress less and love well so that Mm -hmm. I can continue to be a vital part of this community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we all face that. And same here. It's, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not 24 seven with the people I work with. Most of my communications is written. Um, I do emails, feedback forms, and of course, comments, and that keeps me quite busy. Um, but then I spend, of course, the other half for other 60% of my time is with the action work group doing legislation, creating trainings, creating programs and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm not working directly with somebody, I'm also working more on the administrative side um, and doing research and stuff. But yes, it's easy to get burned out. And I think I almost did that again just recently. And I'm trying to now pace myself and set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. My response emails are often five to 10 paragraphs long. I'm very verbose. So I don't just say, I'm sorry, you're not feeling well. For those who have communicated with me, realize I'm sending paragraphs back to them usually. Um, But I get to think about it. I get a little more time and I can be in the right headspace when I do. But Mm -hmm. you provide such an amazing service of being available when they need it at that time. That's something I can't provide at this point. Well, let me be crystal clear. I I'm no longer able to do that, but, but that doesn't stop wondering. the messages from coming. Oh, in. I got that, you. that was, yeah. I finally, for my own health and wellness had to create that boundary and say, I am sorry, but I can no longer I'm glad answer questions. Yeah, yeah. Outside of a one-on-one or my group coaching. I just can't. I, when you said it, that, yeah. it kind of scared me a little bit when you said, <laughs> oh, I, you know, my phone's ringing and I, now I realize you did that for a while, but you can no I longer did. keep that up. But I, but I know, I know all too well, because my, you know, my withdrawal story is pretty horrendous. I was eventually, you know, cold turkeyed after 18 years. You know what? This is perfect time because our next section (laughs) was the Benzo story. So I'm going to move right into that section and I'm going to have Jen share us her Benzo story. Just for those of you who haven't heard it, I think it'd be great for y'all to hear her experience with benzodiazepines. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, um, I had a lot of trauma growing up um, and I was just an anxious child for, you know, lots of, lots of reasons. And um, my anxiety got the better of me uh, in my early twenties. And uh, I, I think I dealt with a lot of my trauma and issues in very unhealthy ways. I drank a lot, uh, did, you know, some street drugs and I was anorexic for a while. Uh, just, you know, just didn't know how to cope with all my feelings. And, um, yeah, I just had, I was, I was a hot mess pretty much, but I got married and started a family and, uh, had four children in less than four years and a set of twins at the very end. And, um, but I was in uh, an emotionally abusive marriage. I, you know, wasn't a healthy person myself. So of course I didn't attract a healthy person. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I got out of that marriage and, uh, and in, at the same time, uh, Loma Prieta earthquake came and I was, it was really traumatic where I was. And so okay. it all kind of came to a head and I started having horrific flashbacks to my abuse and panic attacks and I went and saw a doctor and he said, I have a bad brain that I, I'm not kidding D. That was, that was wow. his diagnosis word for word. I will never forget that. I remember <laughs> what the man looked like sitting in that white coat, literally wore a white coat sitting across from me and said, you have a bad brain and right. you will have to be on a benzodiazepine the rest of your life. Say it with me, D, because you know what I'm going to say, just oh, like a diabetic needs their insulin. Yep. <laughs> And I believed him. And so they put me, he put me on two milligrams of clonopin, which I dutifully took half, half, and then a, you know, milligram at night. And my life, I mean, it's, you know, the efficacy is spot on. I wasn't really anxious and I didn't have panic. 
Um, but what I didn't have was my sense of self anymore. Yeah. And I acted out, you know, cause I was drunk all the time. I and mean, that's the way it felt, you know, that's how benzos work on us. And, yeah. you know, to some degree, it's on, yeah, it's on the same receptors. receptors. Yeah. So I, I had no, I had no filters. No, I mean, all, you know, any inhibitions, they were gone. So I know that I behaved in ways that were not core to who I am. Um, and then of course, over time, tolerance set in and I began to drink more to deal with that. But also I'm an alcoholic. I definitely cannot, <laughs> I can't blame yeah. it all on that. Um, and my life just, you know, kept unraveling. I was just, I was on the drugs for 18 years. And at one point I got off, went immediately into full-blown withdrawal. They didn't tell me what it was, but I reinstated to just one milligram and stayed on that for forever. I was seeing cardiologists and neurologists, audiologists. I couldn't, I just didn't know what was wrong with me. I was just always sick and tired and just, anyway. So finally, um, you know, I'd gotten my doctorate. I had a rising career. I was, I had a book on the market. I was being vetted for two different producers for my own reality show because the niche that I was specializing in was so unique. Um, it was about teen girls. Psychology Today asked me to, you know, be an online contributor. Like my star was just rising and I was at my late forties, yeah. you know, got my doctorate late. But my brain just started slowly falling apart, like unraveling, actually, not slowly, quickly. I did some research, found out what it was. It was the benzos. I got sober and thank God I've been sober ever since um, October 2010. And, and then I just, like many of us, I got involved in the medical community trying to figure how to get off this stuff and got yeah. bad advice every step of the way. They took me down super quickly. They took me back up. Um, so then I got kindled, then another doctor, I started mm -hmm. coming down, then another doctor just said, oh, we're just going to, you know, take you off with phenobarbital. He literally said, you'll yeah. detox for a few days at your home and you'll be fine. Uh -huh. And I had been often on bedridden and sick and withdrawal for about eight months at that time and unable to work. And just, it was horrible. And so like many of us, I desperately wanted to believe him. So yeah. I took the benzodiazepine, I mean, I took the, uh, the phenobarbital three days later was rushed to the hospital through the emergency room and admitted to the hospital. And, um, it was, ugh, it was torture. I mean, I was hallucinating out of my mind, everything. I mean, I was, I mean, I just lived in a perpetual state of terror, not just anxiety or pain, but terror, ice cold terror for days and weeks on end. Couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Everything burned. I hurt head pressure, shaking, um, you know, irrational thought, I, I, intrusive thoughts. Mm -hmm. it, it really was a living hell. It, it was yeah. a living hell. But I made a promise to myself. I said, I won't reinstate the drug and I'm not going to end my life. And I was able to keep both of those promises. But my recovery took years. I know my story scares some people. My, yeah. yeah, my recovery took years. And if you look on my, if you look at my blogs, you know, I'm blogging and blogging and blogging. And then there's like, I don't know if it's 10 months of no blogs, just radio mm. silence. And yeah. that was me after the cold turkey, just holding on for dear life. Um, and then finally kind of finding my way back to where I could put two sentences together but I was in and out of the hospital. I know at four and a half months off, I just couldn't do it anymore. I live alone. And, um, a do you know, again, all these medical professionals who were so uneducated, you know, a therapist <laughs> I was working with suggested that I go to Sierra Tucson and work on my past trauma. She was convinced, you know, it, that it was my past yeah. trauma torturing right. me. So I, you know, spent tens of thousands of dollars, spent six weeks at Sierra Tucson trying to, you know, resolve and recover from your trauma when you don't have enough working GAB receptors is like the most horrific. <laughs> it's just terrible to do. That's, it's like the worst time to do that because right? you're, you're going to keep cycling and cycling oh. up with your, oh my God. Yes. And I remember sitting, I would sit in a, ch a chair with my knees pulled up into the chair with my arms around and I was literally shaking like a leaf. I mean, 
Oh my God. And it was, it was everything about my recovery with the medical community was horrendous. I have to say it's why I'm so passionate and just dead set and pig headed and stubborn about I'm going to teach them. (laughs) So, um, I did have a, I, you know, it took years. I did have a setback at three years. It was pretty intense, but it was because I was doing too much. I decided I was going to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I taught a class at Stanford university on the neuroscience of creativity, had no business doing that. And that, that bit me in the butt. And then I was mostly well, but traveling and, um, again, let stress get to me and had another setback at six years, which does, I know, scare even more people. But let me say now I am this June, I'll be 11 years off the drug. I am able to, and I hate to fly, but I'm able to fly without a drink, without a drug. You know, I'm not panicking. I can do it. I've moved a gazillion times lately. I, I, I work in a community that's extraordinarily stressful, but I, in, and last week I had two teeth extracted, little public service announcements, everybody, <laughs> even though you might be scared, please, for the love of God, go get your teeth cleaned. I broke yes. <laughs> teeth. I broke teeth and withdrawal. I didn't have the money. I was so scared. I didn't see a dentist for years and I'm paying the price. I had to have two yep. teeth pulled. They were badly infected. Um, and they're going to put in, you know, um, implants. And, and, and if you're, if you're grinding with anxiety and stuff, yes. go in and get checked out and get a night guard. If you need one, Abs- I have a night guard, been wearing nonstop. So absolutely. Yeah. But just to, to, to sum up my story, I recently, you know, had the two teeth extracted with just, you know, just um, mm-hmm. and uh, a topical. They didn't, you know, I didn't take any drugs or anything, no laughing gas, no, just that. Um, and I took an antibiotic, which we know a lot of the times can rev people up. Can reset, yeah. I am fine. I no, benzo withdrawal did not come and knock on my door and say, "Hey, can I just poke my head in for a minute?" I am yeah. fine. I really feel like I am. I'm in a good place. And and the, the good news is, is there is this thing called traumatic wisdom, meaning if we keep our hearts open, especially if we live these four cornerstones of well-being, that we get to the other side of our trauma and we are wiser. We are better people. Yeah. I am in, I'm 64 years old and I am the best version of me mm-hmm. ever. I don't have my pre-existing anxiety. I don't have panic attacks. I can look back on all of my abuse and all the weirdness of my childhood with compassion. It doesn't haunt me. It doesn't oh, run my day and my life. I am wonderful. And that's really what I want to have people hear is yes, it's a horrendous journey, but we do get through it. And if we really keep our hearts open, the other side awaits something pretty damn magical. You really can become the best version of yourself after this. I love that. I love that. And I totally, I think what you said right there at the end was everything I'm trying to get through to everybody too, which is I am, I am a far better person than I was. Um, I, I, I think I don't wish hardship on anyone. I wish the benefits of hardship on people. Absolutely. Hardship brings you benefits because it tests you. It tries you. It provides lessons buried underneath for you. And there's few hardships that are as difficult as <laughs> as this. Um, but that also means there's that many more lessons and that many more benefits from it. And I mean, what I'm doing right now and what you're doing right now, I used to do database programming for a while as a screenwriter and did that and taught screenwriting. I loved the teaching part, but it was still not where I belonged. But now, I mean, you were talking about tearing up earlier and I tear up on probably every other podcast I do because it means so much to me what we're doing. Every day, those people who are working, and I say this out to everybody working in the Benzo community, you know, you're saving lives, you're helping people every day. And I, I, I couldn't have begged for a job like that. I mean, you know, it's like, that's, you know, that's a great to have that kind of job brought to you and one that you can, but it's something you're reaching out to people and you're helping people. And there's a lot of truth in the fact that if you are depressed, go help others. Absolutely. Do you say Don, do you say that you're you're symptom free or you still have occasional symptoms? Where what would you where would you put yourself right now, Jen? I think the only lingering symptom that I have, and I don't know if I can blame it on benzo withdrawal because everybody in my family over the age of 55 has it, is the tinnitus, tinnitus, whichever pronunciation you prefer. But I really don't feel like anything that goes on in my body 
now that I could say is benzo withdrawal. I'm, you know, I'm good. I even went through COVID, you know, that started 2022 with, you know, I got the Omicron variant and I had COVID and it took me three weeks, um, you know, to really turn the corner. But benzo withdrawal didn't come back. You know, I'm fine. What, when, do you, when do you feel like maybe, like how, how many years out do you feel that change started to happen for you? Like where you really started to feel symptom-free most of the time? Mm, that's a good question. I think I was starting to feel that probably around five years off where I could say the majority of the time I'm, I'm symptom-free. Symptom free. Then I had the setback at six years and I kind of wiped the slate clean for a little bit. But at eight years off, when I went plant-based, Oh man, it was a game changer for me. And it's just been smooth sailing ever since. And I'm not here to say, please don't take this the wrong way. Plant-based is the healthiest way we can eat and the most healing, but it will not cure you of benzo withdrawal. I happen to be at the right time in the right place. And it, it just, it was everything, the last little hoorah that my body needed. Uh, and I do encourage all my clients to go plant-based. In fact, I have a course on Kajabi for if anybody wants to take it, you know, a do it yourself for 30 days, slowly transition for people in the Benza community. But I just want to be crystal clear that I am not saying that it will cure you of your symptoms. I gotcha. I gotcha. Your story was great. And I love hearing about that because it's, that's what people connect to is when, I mean, I, I try not to, I don't know if you find this. I try, I think on the podcast, not to overshare my story too much, but then that's what I get the request for most of the time, because mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if you've seen this too, but people want to connect. And that's, I think the number one thing that I provide, I think you provide is that connection and understanding. And they connect a lot of times when you can share your story with them. And you can connect on those points about on the symptoms on, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Klonopin, that was also my drug. And we can connect on Klonopin because, you know, that does have its own unique mm-hmm. <laughs> recovery problems, as we've yes, noticed. It does. So, um, and so and actually the, the next paper on the benzo survey study we're releasing is going to start tackling clonazepam a little bit. Um, and something we noticed in the survey. Yes. Yeah. It is the granddaddy of them all. And yeah. just the anecdotal kind of evidence, I guess you could call it. This is what over the last 10 years, here's what, what I have gleaned from just talking to so many people, you know, every benzo can cause all the symptoms, you know, one's not exclusive, but here's what, what I hear. Valium causes the most sedation and depression, Ativan, insomnia, Xanax, pain, and and clonopin, all bets are off. It's it's the it's the <laughs> it's dumpster the fire. Yeah. It's the dumpster fire. That's funny you said that because I've seen the pain part with Xanax. I didn't really think about that, but I've seen that, and I didn't know that that was something that you'd seen too. So that's interesting. Yeah, if somebody calls me and says, you know, you know, they just dive right in and they're telling me their story and like they're saying, you know, and I, you know, I'm tapering or I've been off and you know I've got horrific, you know, intractable, um, you know, insomnia. I'll just pause and say. Were you on Ativan? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I was. I mean, it's like I can, if you tell me what your symptoms are, I bet you with pretty good accuracy, I can tell you which benzo you are tapering off of or you were on. They have kind of their own main constellation of those main symptoms. And clonopin is just, you know, it's... If somebody tells me that they're off four or five years and still having problems, I can just say... so. How long were you on clonopin? And they will say, how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And, but, but, but let's not scare our listeners. That, no, no, no. Um, I'm not, yeah. If you are on clonopin or getting off clonopin, that doesn't necessarily mean that you will take years. No. But clonopin is one of the, um, you know, it's, it's a tricky one. And yeah. I think, you know, anyway, we, the, the good news is we eventually all do recover. And D, I have Absolutely. every ounce of confidence that you are going to eventually have full restoration. I know many people I've talked to that at 10 years have finally just said they suddenly, hey, they, yeah. they, they, they finally were. Um, I am, I would say I'm probably, I would say I was 80, 85% a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Like you at six years, mine was mm-hmm. at seven years. Um, both my folks, you know, went into care facilities. I was driving um, over a dozen times back and forth to Kansas City. I lost my mom in November, my dad in February. 
the stress was beyond what I could imagine. And mm -hmm. all my symptoms kind of rushed back. Mm -hmm. It still wasn't nearly like it was the first couple of years. I know that. But I had some big waves come through because it was such an intense stress. What I'm amazed at is like what you said um, and alluded to was that I got through it. You know, if that happened, you know, year two, year three, year one of my of my um, withdrawal, I wouldn't have made it, you know, with that kind of stress. But mm -hmm, I, to, mm -hmm. to me, it showed me how far I came. Yes. Well, I am deeply sorry for your loss. That was a lot to have to bear in just a short period of time. And I'm glad that you are coping and, and navigating through that. Not too much, you know, not too, what's the phrase worse for wear? Like, you know, that you, that, you know, your symptoms are, they haven't been, it sounds like right now to exacerbate it. Is that, am I, no, or are they, right. am I, okay. That's what I thought I was hearing. Just as I, that was coming out of my mouth, I thought you might want to check in with that and make sure that you're on the same path. Well, you have healed a lot. You have. And I've learned to go on and live with my condition rather than against it. And I think that's mm -hmm. the thing I try to work with people a lot is learning to live with bind instead of against bind. Yeah, absolutely. Because the more that we can practice acceptance and, and we, and we just, you know, just, yeah, just, I mean, acceptance, because if we look at our symptoms as the enemy and we're fighting it, where's our nervous system? Our nervous exactly. system is going to be in a protect state, fight, mm -hmm. flight, or freeze. Anytime you have an enemy, that's where our nervous system goes. Mm -hmm. And the, the deep healing, you know, where we want to be, scientists call the, you know, the connect state, that parasympathetic ventral vagal response, rest, desk, rest, digest, renew. That's where we want to be. So the more that we can just accept and get on with our lives and not fight our symptoms, the I think the better off our bodies will be able to do the healing that, that they need to do. I agree. I agree. And it is and I, you know, the acceptance was a big thing. I see that all the time. Have you worked with people on like the five stages of grief with this process? Has that come up at all? I haven't. And those are great, but I have not worked specifically okay. with that with that paradigm. But it's a great one to work with. Kind of, I've seen the process in some people. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, like you know, it's not necessarily linear or anything. But you see, like I see the anger, I see the denial. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden that acceptance kicks in mm -hmm. and it's like, now, now we're on the path of healing. When that acceptance finally like, okay, this happened to me. I have to learn to live with it and I have to make the most of it. Once we get to that acceptance stage, it's the volume on, you know, I'm always using that analogy that, you know, the volume on our suffering just goes way down and we're able to navigate our lives a little bit better and our lives become a little fuller and a little bigger, and a little richer. And when that happens, it's kind of like the domino effect, you know, then this other good thing happens. Oh, and then that good thing happens. And exactly. suddenly we're just not a prisoner anymore to this heal. Yeah. This, this recovery process. Yeah. Yeah. And we're starting to live again. I yes. think that's great. Do you get people asking about, I just want to get back to normal? And how do you respond to that question? Because I have different answers for that. <laughs> oh, people ask me that all the time. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I just want my life back. And I used to say that too. And our dear, you know, buddy in this community, Matt Salmon, who wrote that amazing oh, yeah. book, Death Grip, you know, a climber's escape from Benzo Madness. Yeah, he's out here I, in Boulder, right just down the street from me. Yes, <laughs> I know. And I just, oh my God, I just love Matt so much. And yeah. he's just such a talented, talented author. But, um, oh, yeah. you know, I was, you know, communicating with him one day. I just want my life back, blah, blah, blah. And he just gently reminded me. He said, Jen, this is your life. You know, your life hasn't That's gone good. anywhere. This is just your life right now. And I, and I, and I realized that I was, I was doing myself a disservice, a disfavor by not just being in the moment and living with what was on my plate by constantly grieving and pining and wishing for, you know, what used to be. And, um, you want to, want, and that's the fourth corner. Well, that's the third and fourth cornerstone to reduce right. your stress that way, but also just to, you know, to practice gratitude, you know, to practice acceptance and patience and all those kind of spiritual, you know, concepts. Yeah. 
so when people, you know, when people say, I just want to get back to normal, you know, I, I commiserate with them and say, yeah, I understand that, but this is your life right now. Let's help you find a way to manage it and live in it and appreciate being alive. Even with all this horrible stuff going on, let's help you find a way to be grateful for what you have. And I tell people you're going to get beyond this and you're going to be better than normal. If you're like most of us, like you're going to have this whole new experience of being alive and your capacity for joy and curiosity and problem solving and just, you know, emotional maturity and just all of that good stuff that we want as human beings, your capacity for that is going to be so much larger. So I try to help them live in the moment and let them know that you're not only get going to get normal, you're going to get better than normal. The word normal is always difficult for me because number one, what is normal? Exactly. <laughs> like a lot of those aren't. <laughs> right. But also it, a lot of them, it's like, I want to get back to the way I was. And my question is, what led you to take the medication? And they'll say, well, my severe anxiety. So you want to go back to the severe anxiety. So, oh, no, 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 no. It's like, well, maybe you want to move on to a better you. And that's what I try to focus on instead of always going back to the old you, because we do, you know, as you know, one of the symptoms is sometimes personality change. You know, our personalities change through this traumatic experience. And I know mine did, um, hopefully for the better. <laughs> you know, my wife actually did comment that on one time. She just said, you're a lot easier to be with now. Mm-hmm. You know, because she said, I pay more attention to her. I'm a little more compassionate. I'm not always, my mind was running with my ADHD and everything else. My mind was always running, doing all kinds of things. But through this experience, I learned tools of slowing down. I did medicate, meditation, yoga, and other things. I learned ways to calm myself down to be able to deal with, uh, with a bind. But, but now to kind of move on into, you know, back to a relationship and back to living normally, it's just one of those things that's really powerful to think that, yeah, this 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 helped me become a better person. So. I'm not going to, I don't want to do it again, um, but, but I came out of it better. Absolutely. And I know that it's hard to hear that when you're in the middle of suffering, yes. that you're going to, you know, you're going to get this beautiful, wonderful thing on the other side. I remember my friend once saying, you know, well, you're suffering so much, but you know, look at the people. This was back when I was way into it and, you know, yeah. I'm still blogging, but look at, you know, how you're helping other people and be like, well, screw other people. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm suffering. Who, care, uh-huh. who cares about them? But um, so I know that is sometimes hard to hear when we're in the middle of our despair. But fortunately, it is true that we, you know, that we do get to the other side and we are usually, if we can put aside the resentment of the medical community and how people didn't understand exactly. us, you know, and we go yeah. beyond that ego part of it. Um, we do. We become such, you know, better versions. My family has said on many occasions, they're just amazed at the person that I became because I had to go through mental yeah. withdrawal. Yeah. You know, one of the things I see, most of the people who are making the difference are the ones who have decided, okay, well, how can we help change things? You know, and the best way usually is let's start educating the doctors. Let's start letting them know. Let's do the research. Right. And and the ones that have hurt us, you know, you don't know what you don't know. I'm sure there's not a doctor that says in their mind, oh, I'm going to screw this person up and ruin their exactly. life for a while. They just exactly. don't know. And, you know, and they just don't know. So they weren't taught bind all this, the mm-hmm. neuroadaptation, the neurotoxicity, the neuroplasticity, all those changes. They weren't taught that. Right. The damage to the mitochondria. You got it. Yeah. A lot of it was just miseducation, you know? Yeah. But I just want to thank you for all you've been doing, Jen. This is great. Um, and for our conversation, I'm going to start to wrap this up here pretty soon. But before we leave, I do want to ask you, um, actually, let me save that. Hang on one second. I'm going to jump right now for our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal or professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benson Free Podcast or of its host.
Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. Okay, and now we're back. And I want to get Jen's last um, last thoughts here on, on benzodiazepines, on BIND, on the work she's doing, just overall on maybe what 11, 12 years um, working with people dealing with this, with... Um, you know what? What's the best advice you've gotten that you can give to people? What's the what have you seen work? My advice would be learn those four cornerstones and hold on to the fact that we do get well. We eventually get our yeah. you know we get well and we go on to not only get our lives back as we used to know them to be able to travel and you know be around people and just you know, you know all of that but our lives are richer, fuller, better. So I think that really is the takeaway. Yes, there are things that we can do to help ourselves through this and to let, just to know that you will recover. This is not the type of injury that is permanent. This is a temporary condition for all of us that have gone through it. And we, the body is self-healing. Just like if you scraped your knee, you don't have to do anything to stay out of your, you know, your body's innate ability to heal. And basically that's the same thing here. And, um, and in time you will heal. So, and be a better person. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Yeah. Don't forget to check out Jen's website. It's benzowithdrawalhelp.com, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I just want to let everybody know to say say thank you again for tuning in for our podcast today. Our next podcast episode will be episode 102 now that we're into the next 100 podcasts. So we're starting to take off there. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining us so much. And um, we'll be back here really soon. Please keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.